AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood. It was created in our kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, and it all started with a simple idea. What began as Laird's secret for long-lasting energy on the waves is now Laird Superfood, offering a full range of delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and more. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 and save 20% on your first order. Welcome back, everybody. It's the Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast on Fantasy Pros. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. Follow me on the Twitter at Bogman Sports. I'm joined, as always, by Pat Fitzmorris at Fitz underscore FF on the Twitter machine. Apologies for not being here last week. I was uh, jet lagged and very, very tired coming back from Seattle in the All-Star game. Uh, Fitzy, did you miss me? Were you okay without me? I did miss you, Boggs. Uh, Dave Heilman did a great job of co-hosting in your stead, but uh, it is great to see you again. And uh, did you enjoy yourself at the All-Star Game? Did you get one of those uh, Seattle dogs? I saw that. It looked it looked really good with the, the cream cheese and the fried onions. Like, I'm a sucker for anything with cream cheese. So I must have passed 8 million places that said the original Seattle dog, the original home of the, the first Seattle dog, original Seattle dog, OG Seattle dog. And I was like, my buddy has lived there for like a decade now. And I was like, what is a Seattle dog? He's like, it's just a hot dog with cream cheese and onions. And I was like, okay, I don't need to try it. What I did try was um, Mason's Lobster Rolls. My buddy Xavier Trish, who I do a college football show, his grandparents live up there. So he suggested I try that. That was great. It was kind of small, though. You know, I'm not a small dude. So, and what was funny was it was kind of dead in there. And like four Astros fans were in there. And I don't know if you watched a lot of the weekend, but every time the Astros came in, boo, boo, it was a lot of that. And the other thing that I tried a local thing was a pizza from this place, I believe it was called Mods, and it had crab on top of it. And uh, so crab pizza, you know, it was a little bit bigger than a personal pan from Pizza Hut, and it was $30 in the ballpark, of course. Uh, but I mean, dude, the jerseys were 450 And I was like, okay. Looks like I'm going to buy a hoodie here. I was like, going to buy stuff for all my friends and everything. I'm like, first of all, the line is an hour and everything is way too expensive. So uh, you guys get pictures. So, <laughs> you know, so that so that's what I did. But uh, yeah, I um, I had a great time. Thanks for hosting. Thanks for Dave. Uh, thanks to Dave for filling in. Uh, great show that you guys had last week. And look, this one's going to be a fun one because it's hot takes time. And. I try to not be too hot takey in, in, in for the most part because I like the gray area. That's what I talk about in you know, an age where 
a lot of things here seem to be black and white. You're on this side, you're on that side, and there's no middle ground. I try to hover in the middle ground. I try to look for realistic, a uh, range of realistic expectations. There's like realistic expectations, there's reasonable outcomes, and then there's hot takes. So, but this is a show where we are going to do hot takes. And I, I read some of yours, Fitz, and we're going to fight about some of these. So th this is going to be a very, very fun one. Are you, um, it, was it hard for you to make, to, to, to like get your list together and do hot takes? Because I found this, a little more difficult because I feel like I'm, you know, kind of gray on most of these players. Um, I do have takes that I like, but I think my hot takes are more about overall strategy than they are about specific players. So did you find this difficult or was this kind of easy for you to get this list together? Yeah, yours are more about strategy. Mine are more about players. And I think mine are you know, not necessarily things that I am 100% convinced are going to happen and, and like you said box i think both of us we do have our strong opinions on certain players but we generally try to be pretty measured i mean i guess i'm looking for possible outcomes where i could see a plausible way to this unexpected result happening but yeah. Boggs, i i do feel kind of guilty dropping this episode now we're getting record temperatures all over the country and now we're dropping these hot takes that are going to melt people's faces off that's right that's right i saw uh, my buddies in arizona just passed the most days in a row uh in recorded history of over 110 degrees it's like 24 days or something now that's running out and the, they broke the record at 19 by the way and it's just nuts and here luckily you know uh i'm i'm an indoorsy person not an outdoorsy person but it's always like our feels like temperature is always like 115, 114, because it's been like 101, 102, 103 with 50% humidity here. So yeah, it's it's the hot time of year, and we are ready to rock some of these hot takes here. Before we dive in and get in the first one, in this first one I know uh, Fitz and I are going to fight about. It's going to be a lot of fun. But let me tell you guys about Reality Sports Online, the powerful fantasy sports platform our owners get to build and manage their fantasy team like an NFL general manager. But the question is, have you tried it? It's time to see what all the buzz in the dynasty community is about. Free agency, multi-year contracts, a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, contract extensions, first-round rookie options, automated contracts and salary cap functionality, and much, much more. If you think it sounds complicated, it is not. The best thing about Reality Sports Online Fantasy Front Office is that it doesn't take any more time than a standard league. It just requires more strategy. Think you're among the fantasy elite? Well, this is a platform to test your metal. Still not sure? You can test out your general manager skills for FRWE free and a mock if you like what you see. Use the promo code FANTASYPROS uh, to sign up and save money on your team or league today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. All right, Fitzy, let's get in to the hot takes. My first hot take, and I know you and I are going to fight about this. I feel like wide receiver is deep. Um, maybe your opinion difference is different in dynasty, but I know in redraft, you are a wide receiver thins out very quickly. You want to make sure you have your guys. And I will say that wide receivers these days, I was talking about this, uh, with Joe on the amp show yesterday. It, it's an arms race that a wide receiver, it's kind of like power in baseball within a League where anyone can hit 25 homers, you have to sustain power. You have you can't draft those one homer guys. And at wide receiver, you can't wait too long to get them. But I do feel like there's a lot of talent at the wide receiver position. Plus, 
this next draft class is going to have a decent amount of wide receivers as well, just like this one did. So I think if there's a position I'm waiting on, for the most part, you can't wait too long. I'm not going to wait till the sixth or seventh to get my first wide out. I am going to take him in the first four rounds, but I feel like your second, third wide receiver, maybe they can wait a little bit. Uh, so I feel like wide receiver is deep, specifically in Dynasty. Um, I know for redraft, you don't like the depth of wide receiver. What about for Dynasty? Do you differ there? So for Dynasty, I mean, it is deeper, I think, Boggs, in that there are guys who have a plausible upside for the future or whatever. But, you know, you, you're a, a play-for-now guy, Boggs, and in a managed league. And look, in most Dynasty leagues, you have to start at least three wide receivers and can flex additional receivers if you yes. want. Man, it is hard to come up with three good ones. You know, when I like three guys you can reliably and performers. Yeah. yeah. So if we're talking about, you know, playing for the the here and now as uh at least 60, 70% of all dynasty teams dynasty teams are going to be doing in 2023. Yeah, man, I I don't think it's deep box. We are going to argue about this. There's the Go second ahead. tier, right? The, and and that's really what I like is because you get, I, I feel like you have plausible wide receiver ones down to like wide receiver 18, 19, you know, where I have them ranked anyway. I'm talking like Drake London could end up being a wide receiver one. No one would flinch. Uh, Debo could be back to being very productive, which I know a lot of people don't think. But I mean, if Christian McCaffrey gets hurt, Debo's right back to his expansive role. You know what I mean? So, th like, I like the potential wide receiver ones. And I think like there's almost 20 guys that could be a wide receiver one even this year. And then you move down there. We have like Addison just won the Boletnikoff award. Uh, JSN had some of the best college numbers specifically in efficiency on PFF ever. Right. So I think those guys could end up being number ones. I think if Marquise Brown, it, like if, if they do decide to pass the ball more in Arizona, which I don't think they will do, but he's a guy that could be a wide receiver one. We've seen him do it before. Pittman is good. Deontay needs to add touchdowns. Juju's, you know, has done it in the past. Like, and there's good rookies, Dotson, Burks, um, and old guys, even Evans, Allen, Cooper are good old shots. Like the top, like your top three wide receivers, I feel like even if you're taking all the way down to 36, I feel like should be pretty good. And maybe my hot take is more about, um, that flex spot, I don't want a wide receiver there. I want a high-volume running back. So that's why I want those running backs early because, number one, running back could hurt so much. So if I take two early and I get a flex running back, if one of my other RBs goes down, now I have that option to move in. So in general, I'm also not playing a wide receiver at that flex spot if I can avoid it because I have high-volume RBs. So maybe that's more of my hot take in here as we're discussing it, Fitzy, is that Maybe my hot take is don't take a flex wide receiver, take a flex running back because it helps for your depth as well. Maybe that's more it, but I I knew you had that uh, thought process. So where where does on your list, on your dynasty list, where where do you like let's just say I have to have two wide receivers by this guy that I have ranked here? Where would that be for you? Would it be oh. like I want two of my top ten guys, or is it like I want a top ten guy and a top twenty guy? I would say that between like wide receiver ones and wide receiver two guys in the top 24. Okay. Like I, 
I want to have three of those guys on my team. I want to have more than average. You know, the in an average 12, well, in a 12 team league, the average would be to have two of those guys. Sure. Like, I want more than average. I, I want to do more than keep up with the Joneses. I want to get ahead of the Joneses yeah. at wide receiver. And I mean, like, you kind of see this in redraft. And, um, you know, once, once we get into the season, it's like you're playing redraft, right? Or, yeah. uh, as yeah, far as it just, should be, yeah. As far as just putting a, a lineup out there and trying to win every week, and right. I had an FSGA draft, a redraft draft this past week, Boggs, and I went wide receiver heavy. I hit wide receivers with four of my first six picks and five of my first seven, I think. Okay. And one of the teams drafting adjacent to me came out firing a wide receiver with four straight to open the draft, and I believe he had like five of his first seven. So wow. the two of us were taking a big bite out of that position. And this was a 14-team draft. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah, when we got into the double-digit rounds, I was looking at who some people's wide receiver threes were. And it yeah. was like some of like... Rookie. Like one person had Kadarius Tony as their wide receiver three. And I'm like, they're actually ahead of the game in that nope. league. Yeah. At, at least, you know, not ahead of me and the other guy who was hitting wide receivers hard, but ahead of everyone else. Because there were guys like Odell Beckham as someone's wide receiver three. And yeah, I mean, it was just pretty, pretty scruffy down there with some of these yeah. teams. And like, if you fall into the trap of thinking wide receiver is deep, that can happen mm -hmm. to you where you are struggling to put a credible third receiver on the field uh, in your lineup every week. Well, my other point to this is that uh, there are a bunch of wide receivers coming out every year. We saw this class was very deep. The class before was very deep and 2024 should be just as deep. So I feel like uh, wide receivers more re replaceable than running back as well. So I feel like, you know, in a startup, I'm trying to get those RBs and then I will fill in the wide receivers uh, later in the draft because there's going to be more available. And that it starts from, you know, Pop Warner and Little League. Your best athlete is quarterback first and then it's wide receiver and then it's defensive end. So that's where we're going with the athletes first. So you see more and more of these better athletes translating to the NFL at the wide receiver spot. So I just I feel like it's deep. You don't. We can move on to your first hot take here and get away from the wide receiver, Steve, because we're just not going to agree. Yeah, let's go over to quarterback, Boggs. And I think that Sam Darnold is going to play more games at quarterback for the 49ers this year than anyone else and will make himself a desirable fantasy asset for 2024 and beyond with his performance this year. So um, here's my case, Boggs. As far as the playing the most games this year, like we, we know – so I'm high on Trey Lance and we've talked about this. I'm not going to bore people with more Trey Lance talk, but clearly Kyle Shanahan and I don't seem to feel the same way about Trey Lance. It does seem like they are very reluctant to make him the guy. And I, I feel like it's not going to happen this year unless uh, Shanahan is backed into a corner. And as far as Brock Purdy if there was a way to monetarily short the stock of Brock Purdy, like I would do it in a heartbeat. I just, <laughs> I, I don't think he's very good. I think he feasted on bad defenses last year. And if they want to make him their starting quarterback this year, I think he's going to run into problems. So Darnold, you know, we know he has the draft capital, but after five years, yes, there's been a lot of disappointment, 
a lot of disappointment. But let's look at those five years, Fox. Comes into the league, and his offensive coordinator is Jeremy Bates, who has had two very undistinguished seasons in the NFL as an offensive coordinator. And Gates was calling a lot of those plays too, right? Well, that was that was year two. Year two and year three was Adam Gase. So the first year was um uh Todd Bowles Todd. was the Jets coach. Yeah. So then it's then it's Adam Gates for two years, and we know that was just a complete train wreck. Then he goes to Carolina and it's Matt Rule for two years, who, you know, did not have a very successful tenure. So now he gets Shanahan as his offensive mentor, and everyone respects Shanahan's offensive acumen. I think we can agree on that. Now, Bugs, in, in 2021, you might recall, Darnold came out of the shoot hot. He had 300-yard games in uh, three of his first four games. And through four games, he was the QB5 in fantasy, averaging 24.4 points a game. He had five TD passes, five TD runs. And maybe he eventually, uh, you know, if he, he does get another crack at a starting gig, maybe he runs a little bit more aggressively because we've seen him do it before. Last year, made six starts for the Panthers at the end of the season. And if you take away his really bad Week 18 game against the Saints, where he was 5 of 15 for 43 yards, he was actually pretty good otherwise. Like 8.8 yards per attempt, which is really impressive, and a passer rating of 105. Seven TDs, one interception. So he has had bouts where he looked like a real NFL quarterback. And Schefter also pointed out, Fitzy, that they signed him day one. Of yep. free agency. Yep, they got him early, Boggs. And the he supporting cast. Where he wanted to go, too. That cast is so good. Supporting cast is good, and the you know the coaching staff is good. So this is going to be by far the healthiest ecosystem Sam Darnold has ever had. And I think he could rejuvenate his dynasty stock. Well, first of all, your hot take is way hotter than mine. So I like that. I like that Sam Darnold... Uh, getting the most starts for the Niners because, you know, most people have him three on the list. But, I mean, look, if you're in a super flex, just throw a dart on this guy late and see if it works out. If it doesn't, what's the problem? You wasted a 13th or 14th round pick on Sam Darnold because people are passing him up because he seems to be third on the depth chart. Maybe he climbs a little bit to, like, 10 if we see some good, the 10th, 9th, 10th round, if we see some good, like, training camp stuff from him and Purdy's still behind and Lance is looking rusty and all that stuff. Like, there are ways where his stock rises, but I don't think it's going to get very high. He's still going to be a pretty cheap QB, so I like this one. I'm not going to fight back with you too much. Uh, I could see the the range of reasonable outcomes for this quarterback situation, really anybody. Um, you know, I'm with you, Fitz. If I was the head coach in San Francisco, I would say we gave up three first-round picks for Trey Lance. Let's give him a real shot. You know, we tried to last year. He got hurt. Didn't work. Purdy looked fine. We gave him so much capital for this guy. Let's give him a shot. But, you know, meritocracy. And Shanahan is done waiting on Trey Lance. So I like that one. I have kind of a... I have a couple quarterback takes here. My first one is that I think it's thin, specifically at the top. Like, I want to get... And especially in Superflex, I have to have one of my top eight QBs that I have listed. That would be in order Mahomes, Allen, Hurts, Lamar, Burrow, Fields, Lawrence, and Herbert. After that, I find quarterbacks to be very, very wishy-washy and dicey, right? Some of these guys are going to work, and some of them are going to have great years this year, too. I'm not saying that there's not talent there, but I'm saying trustable assets. You know, I have Kyler Murray at nine, which I think is still 
um, you know, one spot higher than ECR. I believe it was 10 the last time I, I saw. And, you know, this guy's going to miss half this season. This offense is going to change wholly and completely from Cliff Kingsbury, right? And how much do you want to run Kyler Murray coming off of a knee injury? So maybe he loses a little bit of value that way. I have Richardson at 10. I mean, the dude is a is supreme talent, physically gifted, shredded up all, all over the place. But we've seen plenty of supremely gifted athletes burn out a quarterback because they just can't do it. So even number 10 is a little questionable to me. And then you move down, it's just Danny Dimes, maybe without Saquon, and they still haven't had enough wide receiver talent. You have undersized Bryce Young. You have wishy-washy C.J. Stroud. You have Dak, who is on his way down. Cousins is older. Trey Lance, I have, is a big question. And another one of my hot takes, I'll just go ahead and throw it in here as well, Fitz, since we're talking about QBs, is that I'm not touching Deshaun Watson. The Russ looked bad. Maybe he knocks it off, but even if he does, the plan in Cleveland is going to be to run the ball and play good defense under Stefanski. He's obsessed with Nick Chubb. So, you know, for me, I don't like the quarterbacks after the top eight. You know, even my guy, Kenny Pickett, has some rushing upside, but is he a sure thing? No, especially if they don't switch offenses. Tua has had concussions. And after that, you're going with, like, Goff, who has been a guy that uh, the Lions have seemed to want to replace up until last year. Um, you would agree with me. We have no idea what we're getting out of Jordan Love. The Derek Carr is wishy-washy. So when you get down to the lower rungs, I just don't feel good. So especially in, in Superflex, I am leaving with a top eight quarterback, at least one. So uh, and if I'm drafting in a one QB league, I am prioritizing those top eight guys. They still go later, but I have to get one of my top eight because I just don't trust a lot beyond that. So this, uh, your thoughts about the overall health of the quarterback position. Now, we should have a bunch coming in next year, which should be nice. But, you know, between now and then, remember, Spencer Rattler a couple of years ago was mock drafted number one overall in a bunch of spots. And, you know, last year he wouldn't have got drafted. So, um, you know, th- there's just quarterback. We're seeing a lot of those old guys that were steady Eddie's retire. So the top is kind of, you know, top three are great. But moving on past that, it's more dicey than it has been in the past. Yeah, with the prospects, Boggs. I mean, like there, there can be a real roller coaster there. Look at Bo Nix. You know, yeah. hot shot, hot shot recruits. Then, uh, you know, by the the end of his time at Auburn, he was just a pariah down there. And you know, now stock very much rejuvenated. Uh, right, since going out west. So. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I don't even know if that's too spicy a take box. Cause I kind of agree with a lot of it. Like the eight guys are bankable. Other than that, if you're, I mean, who could you be supremely confident in that they will be starting in the NFL in 2025 besides right. those eight? Like, I mean, I, I'm pretty confident that Richardson Stroud and Bryce Young are all going to be starters in 2025 barring injury. But, you know, maybe Richardson never really develops as a passer the way uh, the Colts are hoping. Maybe Young does deal with injury issues because of his size. You know, maybe maybe Stroud isn't, uh, you know, as as polished a passer as we hope. I'm optimistic about those guys, but like. Yeah. Deshaun Watson. Be optimistic. Yeah. yeah I mean, but in does, terms of like for sure, it's just right. there. Right. I mean, like a lot of these guys are, are getting older cousins and, uh, you know, I, like I think Daniel Jones is still going to be around after he gave us a, a pretty impressive performance last year. But who knows? I mean, maybe it just worked out really well with Brian Dable last year and he can't repeat it this year. 
And um, what do you, yeah, what do you think about Watson, my Watson take? Because I kind of threw two of my hot takes at you there. I'm somewhere in between thinking that he eventually gets back to being the Houston Texans version of Deshaun Watson and thinking that the new reality is what we saw from him last year in Cleveland. Like, I think he's probably going to touchdowns and five picks and like, right. It you was know, pretty... he was pacing out to under that 700 rushing yard mark, which is a pretty good stabilizer for running quarterbacks. Yeah. I think he's probably going to settle somewhere in between those two extremes, which, you know, isn't exactly a bull take there, but, um, yeah, I just like it's not I don't a top know. eight take either. It's definitely it's not getting him into that top group. That yeah, I don't know. On. I don't know if he cracks the elites again. I I think you have good reason to doubt that. Yeah. All right. Well, I I gave you two. So Fitz, why don't you go ahead and rattle off a couple for us here? All right. Um, I'll give you one right off the bat, Boggs. Uh, Saquon Barkley falls out of the top twenty. As far as the consensus running back rankings for Dynasty after the 2023 season, it was great to see Barkley stay healthy in 2022. I mean, he really needed to after missing all of 2020, well, all the two games with the torn ACL in 2020, and then missing four games in 2021 with ankle issues. Um, but Barkley kind of tapered off last year, Boggs. Like he was going great guns early in the season, average 18.4. Uh, well, this is half point PPR. I didn't check uh, PPR, but yeah, like his production really dipped off. It was 18.4 half point PPR fantasy points per game up until week 11. And then from week 11 on, it was 12.9. So there was a drop off and Bugs, here's the thing, man. He's just not a special pass catcher anymore. Like he had that fabulous rookie season where he had like 700 receiving yards, four TD catches. I forget how many receptions, like over 70. And then last year and the year, like the past two years, 6.1 yards per catch, 4.5 yards per target. Those numbers kind of suck. I'll be honest. Like for a running back, those aren't good. Those are like AJ Dillon type receiving numbers, Boggs. I think even Dillon was more efficient two years ago as a pass catcher. Like he just, I don't know why he hasn't been able to get back to that dynamic guy. Maybe it's the injuries. Maybe they've already taken their toll. I mean, he's only 26. Maybe he needs like two years to have those injuries completely behind him before he can get back to being his old dynamic self. But we have not seen it out of him as a pass catcher, at least. And, you know, it was kind of worrisome how he was tapering off down the stretch last year. So I don't know, man, if he and oh, and by the way, now he's probably going to hold out and miss all of training camp because he was franchise tagged. The deadline passed for him to come to a long-term agreement with the Giants. And how good do you feel about him staying healthy all year, Boggs, if he misses training camp entirely? I don't care about training camp for him at all. So that's not going to scare me off. Uh, I feel like training camp is almost a detriment to running backs, uh, I feel like, because they're going to take so many hits, so many blows during the season. You don't want them doing too much in camp. And, you know, my boy Najee last year hurt, hurt his foot day one of camp. So I don't care about him missing camp at all, but I am afraid of this getting ugly. And and I normally I wouldn't be uh, because even like I was drafting Le'Veon Bell up until, you know, two weeks before uh, the season started when he was holding out because we'd never really seen someone a uh, running back like, hold out and miss a bunch of games. And it happened before I think Emmett Smith had done it, 
like he missed like four games or five or six games, but I was also like nine when that happened or whatever. So like, I don't have a vivid memory of it. I knew it had happened before, but Bell sat out the whole year and then was not the same running back when he came back. That's what I thought this take was going to be. It was more about him missing time and all that stuff. Not so much about last year. Um, look, this is a, one of my issues with Daniel Jones is that the reason he led this team in targets and catches, I believe last year, the Giants, it was uh, maybe not catches, but definitely in targets. And, um, you know, they didn't have anybody else. They had no downfield thread. I mean, Darius Slayton would get open deep and drop the ball so many times. It was so aggravating. Uh, Isaiah Hodgins is not a speed demon at all. So he's taking short routes and they weren't asking Danny to put the ball downfield, which is why they drafted Jalen Hyatt. It's why they, uh, traded for Darren Waller. You see, I feel like to get some of that middle of the field open a little bit more for those dump offs for Saquon to work so he doesn't have to then fight off four tacklers immediately after he catches the ball. So I think I'm still a Saquon guy. I understand um, his injury history, people not liking him, and you're one of those guys, and, and I get it, but I can't. I can't hate Saquon. I can't do it. So I'm going to disagree with you on this one, but that's why it's a hot take because it is hot. We're burning up the midnight oil on, on these here. So before we get to your next one, Fitz, um, uh, since we're sharing some of our more wild takes on plenty of guys here, we have uh, we have more value than consensus on this. It's important to understand how people at large value these players when you're trading. A tool that's a game changer in these situations is the Dynasty Trade Value Chart at FantasyPros.com slash trades. All the analysts here, Fantasy Pros, have come together to place values on each player and draft pick in order to help you make the best trade deals. Don't just follow our takes. Act on them strategically by using this tool. Remember, that's fantasypros.com slash trades. Also, if you love this show and you want to interact with Pat and I directly, uh, we will be answering your questions uh, at 5 p.m. Eastern over our Discord at fantasypros.com slash dynasty chat for premium subscribers. So please check that out. Use the trade tool and come and talk to us about your trades. We love, I mean, half of what we do there is breaking down trades that people have done or they have been proposed or are about to propose to other people. So please come talk to us. Uh, we would love to answer your questions. That is so much fun. I mean, Fitz and I text each other after doing that. I'm like, this is our job. We just got to talk fantasy football for an hour. Like, we definitely appreciate it. Hey, Doug Gottlieb here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer making the now perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck, like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines the raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. With the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower further than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style the new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. With new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. When you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out the amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. When you're an American Express Platinum card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! 
And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save 40% site-wide. Get 40% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. All right. I gave you two. Give me another one, Fitz. What, what's your next hot take? All right, Bugs. And, and just to backtrack, I, I don't actually hate Saquon Barkley. I just do have concerns about his value going forward. But um, Hater. Hater. <laughs> <laughs> so the next one, also running back related, I think Antonio Gibson becomes a consensus top 15 dynasty running back by the end of the season. Or at least I can see a plausible path to it happening. Look, as I've said before, he is as big and as fast as Jonathan Taylor and is a former college receiver, so we know he can catch passes, and he scored double-digit touchdowns in his first two NFL seasons. So um, last year, he fell out of favor with Washington offensive coordinator Scott Turner for whatever reason and had a career-low 149 carries. But now it's Eric Bieniemy's offense, and I'm optimistic that Bieniemy is going to uh, up the usage of Antonio Gibson. And I think it makes sense for him to do so now that J.D. McKissick is no longer on the roster. Like even in those first two years where Gibson was catching a lot of passes for Washington, he wasn't the leading pass catching running back on the team. It was McKissick. Yeah. But McKissick's gone. I think Gibson is going to have the passing down work to himself and hopefully a, a good percentage of the early downs too. Because I think, you know, Brian Robinson, I'm not going to, trash him or anything i think he's a decent running back but i i don't think he has special qualities you know i think i would he's a, say i'd say he's above average but not special i think that's fair yeah i mean like he's a perfectly fine early down thumper but i think he's pretty limited and um whereas i think antonio gibson has potentially special traits the size the speed and the pass catching ability and um yeah, so I'm I'm optimistic that Gibson is going to get more run this year under B enemy than he got under Scott Turner last year. And I think uh, you know, on in an offense that, yeah, it's probably not going to be one of the more prolific offenses in the league this year with Sam Howell at quarterback, but um maybe Sam Howell dumps off a lot as a young, inexperienced quarterback who's going to be under duress a lot of the time. So it, it could fuel a potential, you know, 60, 75 catch season for Antonio Gibson. And, uh, you know, if they can get him the ball in the space, this dude can uh, make some big plays. So I'm cautiously optimistic about Antonio Gibson. 
And boy, if he does have a splashy ear bogs, suddenly he could creep into that top 15 range. I think the the skill set you want to recognize with Antonio Gibson is what Debo has, right? It's kind of the same thing where you want the ball in his hands and he can go and make an explosive play. He can break tackles. He's shifty. He's fast. So um, I really like this take because I think Antonio Gibson, a lot like our same Devin A. Chain uh, take, Fitzy, is that this guy doesn't need 20 touches to make an impact. He might get them. He might get way more touches than he had last year, especially if he proves it. So that's within a reasonable realm of possibility, I think, too. But even if he doesn't, if he's a 12 to 15 touch guy, somewhere in that range every single game, he's got the juice to make big plays. So I really, I'm, I'm going to agree with this hot take because I like Antonio Gibson a lot. So I, I like that one. And I do think Brian Robinson is a little bit of, you know, like I said, above average, but not great. He's not going to blow you away with anything, but he can do everything. He can be a third down back. But I think, you know, you exchange Jalen Warren for Brian Robinson, it's kind of the same thing going on. You know what I mean? So probably more of a backup, but they do like him because he is a thumper and he runs hard. Uh, why don't you do give us one more? Because I think this might be our last RB take. Here. Sure. So so give us the, your, uh, your one on uh, another take, and this one I'll fight you on. So, and and by the way, I would say Brian Robinson is above average if the cohort is all NFL running backs. Not so much if it's like starters, starting. Yeah, I I would, uh, I would agree with that. All right, so this last one, Boggs, and I know you're going to hate this one. I hate it. Zach Charbonnet will be considered a more valuable fantasy asset than Kenneth Walker in Dynasty by the end of the year. So. Now, Boggs, my my running back rankings in Dynasty do not reflect this. Here's hot takes. So yeah, okay. It doesn't Yeah, and in, in fairness, I mean Kenneth Walker did show that he's a pretty darn good NFL running back last year with an eleven hundred yard season after missing time early in the year. And he did it kind of over a, a part of his season. But here's the case for Charbonnet Boggs. Both were second round picks. And so it's not like there's a big draft capital advantage here for Kenneth Walker. And as we know, Pete Carroll runs the closest thing to a true meritocracy that there is in the NFL. You know, we saw this with um, previously when Rashad Penny was a first round draft pick and couldn't get on the field yeah. right away because Chris Carson was better in Pete Carroll's eyes. Yeah. And, um, you know, our own Thor Nystrom. I know you respect his opinion quite a bit. I mean, he loves Charbonnet and his downhill running style. And I believe Thor had Charbonnet ranked ahead of Jameer Gibbs this past year in his uh, rookie draft rankings. So, and now Charbonnet is coming into the league as a more accomplished pass catcher than Walker, who didn't really do much of that in college, whereas Charbonnet had 37 catches for UCLA last fall. Brian so, Lewerke was Kenneth Walker's quarterback. Right. I know. I know that the system, although, you know, we didn't exactly see Walker lighting it up as a pass catcher last year either. It's really not his forte, Boggs. We're not going to see him turn into a 50-60 reception guy. We're just not. And, so, I, I okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, that's okay. So, I, I do think Walker's good, but I also think Charbonnet is good, Boggs. I think Charbonnet is going to affect Walker's production in that, you know, if he does affect his production, all of a sudden Walker is no longer like a clear top 20 dynasty running back. And, you know, if if 
Pete Carroll decides he likes Charbonnet a little better. Charbonnet's going to play ahead of him, Boggs. We know that. Yes. And look, uh, is this within the range of reasonable outcomes? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it could be. My fear for Walker Walker against Charbonnet is that Charbonnet gets the goal line touches because he's bigger than Walker. That's like my big fear for Walker. But that's it because... I feel like Walker is the better running back. Uh, maybe not pass catching, but I think given a chance to do it, uh, you know, I think he still. I would rather have the ball in Walker's hands than Charbonnet's hands. Charbonnet can he can do a little bit of everything, right? And he's a good running back. And I would say he's like better than Brian Robinson. I would say all around he's probably like better than Antonio Gibson as well. Uh, you know, I think he's a good back. But Kenneth Walker is an elite back in my mind. I still have him as a top 10 RB in my dynasty rankings. That's not going to change. And what it is, it's, it's his breakaway uh, possibility. He makes guys miss. And this was something he did at Michigan State with a bad quarterback with a whole defense. And that Michigan defense that he torched, and one of the most impressive running back games I've ever seen in my life, where he scored four touchdowns late. And they just could not stop him. He wore through the Michigan defense, which ended up, you know, being in the playoff. Like, that was a very, very good team. Lots of draft picks uh, from that Michigan team. And he ate them up when they knew what was coming. So, Kenneth Walker, to me, um, especially if Geno is cooking again, I, I think both these guys can work. I think they they will run the ball more because they have both of them. Uh, than they did last year. I believe they were like 27th or 23rd in rush attempts last season. It was pretty low, but I just, Walker is the better running back to me. He, he The breakaway yards, the explosive plays are the difference maker uh, for me between him and Charbonnet. Charbonnet doesn't quite have that breakaway potential that Walker does. There are not many running backs that do. So not that Charbonnet can't have big chunk runs, but Walker gets them and he'll get them most games. So, and I still think he leads in touches. So, I don't agree with this one, but I do understand the fear of Charbonnet. And look, I was as bummed as anybody when I saw the Seahawks draft Charbonnet. I went, oh, because that hurts both of them. I would much rather have Charbonnet in Tampa Bay or something, you know, taking carries away from Rashad White. So, um, all right. I think, um, yeah, so that's all the running back ones. Let's go back over. I got a couple wide receiver ones here. But before we move on to our next hot takes, uh, let me tell you about our next giveaway is for a free ultimate custom championship belt from our friends over at Trophy Smack. To win, all you have to do is subscribe to Fantasy Pros YouTube, uh, the Fantasy Pros YouTube channel that you're watching this on. Comment on this video. That's it. Also, if you love our content, please give us a like and click that bell to get notified each time a new video drops and you'll be entered in to win that custom championship belt from our buddies over at Trophy Smack. Go and do it today. Let's get some wide receivers in here. Uh, Fitzy and we'll go a little faster Um, and I have two sleepers to tell you about here real quick Jamison Williams I feel like is severely underrated Um, ECR uh, is I think 31 I have him at 17 Um, and on the same team with John Mechie who I'll talk about in a second his last year in college he was top five in yards and yards have to catch top 10 in yards per reception and top 15 in yards per route run and this is as close a prospect that we've had to DeAndre Hopkins in a long time. And because Amonra St. Brown is, uh, you know, a top 10 wide receiver now in the NFL, we're just overlooking Jamison. He also has a suspension that, you know, has kind of clouded him. By the way, his ECR moved up one spot today to 30. 
I have him at 17. We talked about this in the wide receiver episode before, but I just need to re-hit it because this is one of my hottest takes. Even though we did talk about it before, I want to re-hit it and tell everyone I am all in on Jamison Williams. I'm trading for him. I'm drafting him, whatever you have to do. And his Alabama teammate, John Mechie, who is in Houston, Fitz, is just my number one sleeper across. You know what? I want you to guess, because you're not looking at it. What do you think J- uh, John Mechie's ECR among wide receivers for Dynasty is right now? It's probably going to be like 70-something. 71. Wow. One. I mean, I mean, there are some people going ahead of John Mechie. Uh, let's see. So he's at 71, just ahead of him. Al Lazard, Cedric Tillman, who hasn't played yet for Cleveland, by the way, and they traded for Elijah Moore, is ahead of John Mechie. Um, You know, Tyler Boyd, Romeo Dobbs, DPJ, Michael Thomas, who can't stay on the field, um, Wandell Robinson, who's done nothing, Nico Collins, his teammate, who is fine but a jag in terms of wide receivers. I think John Mechie was underrated coming into the NFL. And then, of course, he had the cancer diagnosis. So I understand, you know, there's a lot of injury stuff for him. And we saw James Conner after, you know, his uh, going through his stuff with cancer, having some injury issues. I get that. But John Mechie has a chance to be the number one in Houston. There's opportunity there for him to be the number one because Robert Woods, the ghost of Robert Woods, is like the only competition he has, right? So um, when he left uh, college, he was top 10 in receptions, yards after the catch, contested catch rate, and missed tackles forced. Top 10 in all of those stats. And we're, you know, he blew out his knee in the SEC championship game in 2021, um, he had the cancer diagnosis. It's been it's been a rough year. It's been a rough two years for John Mechie. But this guy, I feel like, was underrated coming in the NFL. Then he had the cancer diagnosis, and now people are acting like he's you know not going to do anything in the NFL. I mean, seventy one. That is you know what a wide receiver six. I mean, that is absurd. Um, and, and I I have him at, as my ECR wide receiver forty eight. And I will take him in every single startup that I do. And I will trade. You could probably trade a third-round pick to get Mechie now, a fourth-round pick maybe in some leagues uh, for a team that has depth at wide receiver. Another reason why I think wide receiver is deep is because I think some of these guys are severely underrated, Fitzy. So uh, Jamison and Mechie, I'm not an Alabama fan, I swear, but these guys really impressed me. What do you think about those two guys in terms of their ECR? Yeah, no pushback whatsoever on Jamison. What he did in Tuscaloosa was very impressive. Draft capital, speed, physical traits, everything. You know, I don't like that he got himself suspended for gambling, but I think everyone agrees that he's got a really high ceiling. Mechie, I know he was highly productive in his third and final season at Alabama and, you know, also very productive as a sophomore, too. I just, I wonder, Boggs, if he has like any special traits. I mean, like he was productive, but granted in a very good offense surrounded by other terrific players. Like he's not big. He's not fast. At least he's, not. You know, that not, it, it's that that contested catch rate and those missed tackles force that really impressed me. Yeah. I mean, like if he is, I'm not discounting the possibility that he proves to be, you know, exceptional after the catch in the NFL. But I just. I don't know. I just I, like I don't see him being a special guy. 
I'm interested in him for sure, but right now my expect expectations are not nearly as high for Mechie as they are for Jamison. And really, you know, to be honest, I don't have any expectations for Mechie right now. And that's and that's understandable and that's fair, but I also think that is what make is making him a value right now. Is that not a lot of people have expectations. So I mean if you had Mechie on your roster and somebody offered you a 2024 third, knowing that 2024 class is fairly deep, do you think you'd pull the trigger on that? Get a third? Yeah. So so do it. That's what I'm saying is go go do that trade. Yeah. Because you could, and maybe someone sees him as a, a real dirt cheap guy. Maybe you could trade a fourth if you even have four rounds of your rookie draft uh, next year. So uh, those are a couple of my wide receiver ones. What do you have on wide receivers here, Fitz? All right, Vlogman, would it surprise you if by the end of the season, Jaden Reed was considered the most valuable dynasty asset among the Green Bay Packers wide receivers, more so than Christian Watson? Would that shock you? It wouldn't shock me, but it would surprise me because I also like uh, Welsh and I just got done doing a breakout show and I picked Watson to be a breakout. So I do expect him to lead the Packers in like targets and catches this year. But, you know, Jaden Reed is pretty good. So I'm not like it wouldn't be shocking, but I would say it would be surprising to me. Watson isn't uh, like I'm very cautiously optimistic about Watson. I mean, the size and speed combination is potentially special. And there were some flashes last year. I mean, there were some big plays, but an inordinate amount of his production came on big plays last year, Boggs. And if you compare the games where he and Dubs played together, like as far as just net stats, receptions, targets, yardage, I think Dubs actually outdid him in the games they played together. It's not and, hard to squint and see MVS with Watson, right? Yeah, and like I don't think he's going to be that type of guy. But if you look at him uh, versus Reed, both second rounders, um, you know, and, and Reed was actually playing against much tougher college competition at Michigan State than Watson was at North Dakota State. So, um, you know, again, Watson did have some exciting moments as a rookie, but I like Reed a lot too. Like he's he's pretty special at contested catches. Like in that department, he is really good and also really good acceleration, and he's good with the ball in his hands uh, as, you know, proven by his three punt return touchdowns during his college career. So, I'm kind of excited about this guy, and while I'm also excited about Watson, I don't think it's a slam dunk that he makes it and becomes this coveted dynasty asset. Like, it's possible that, you know, he doesn't get there. And I, I think people think he's maybe kind of a, um, I don't know, like it's a done deal, like Watson's already there and people are excited and making him like a top 25 dynasty guy. I'm not sure I do. I actually, I have Watson at 25, so it's funny that, that you mentioned that because I couldn't put him in, like, my wide receiver twos, you know what I mean? So um, I I have him at 25. I can tell you that Reed's ECR right now is 49, so one spot below wide receiver four, so he's your first wide receiver five coming off the board, which makes him a cheap asset, right? Like, he's going in the range of Cortland Sutton, Marvin Mims, Gabe Davis, Tyler Lockett, um, Kadarius Tony. Are you taking Reed ahead of those guys, or are you okay with his ECR, but he is a targeted player and investment that you would like to make? 
not taking him ahead of Tony. I am taking him ahead of Lockett. Boggs, you know what an ageist I am. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and now JSN is there to, uh, you know, kind of crimp Lockett's style. So, uh, and who was it? Was there a third guy you mentioned in that group? Uh, the last one, I think, in that group was uh, Marvin Mims, Gabe Davis, Corlin. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, guy. I, so I'll probably take Sutton, but I, I like the investment and the thought process. And this is, this is where the thought process is good fits on things like this is there's opportunity for him to be a one, right? That's my same thought process with Mitch. Like there is blood in the water. This job is up for the taking. It's not just, we're not going to just give it to Watson. Like Watson should be the one he's going to be in the role of the one to start the season. But if he doesn't lock it down the first three weeks, this job is open. You know, Packers are kind of rebuilding here. So, you know, this, this becomes a meritocracy very quickly. Yeah, and look, Boggs, I mean, the ECR is fair on Reed because he hasn't done anything yet. He wasn't like a dynamic prospect. He didn't, you know, put up eye-popping numbers at Michigan State. But he's a very intriguing prospect, and it wouldn't surprise me if we thought about him much differently after his rookie year than we're thinking about him right now. Uh, all right, so I've got two more for you here, and I'm just going to give them both to you. One is a player, and one is more of a, once again, a draft uh, concept one. The player is Malik Willis. I don't think is dead yet. And, and I know the Titans went out and they drafted Will Levis, right? And he is probably going to be the straight back of the Tannehill. Something bad happens with Tannehill this year. Injury, bad performance, whatever. I do think Will Levis is their go-to guy, right? But let's not completely throw away Malik Willis yet because he is one of those, as you would call them, fits a Konami code rusher. So if he cleans up his mechanics a little bit, if he becomes more familiar and with experience, and we know from that whole draft process, this is a hard worker. He was thrust in way too early last year. We all saw that, and I'm not doubting that. Josh Dobbs got the start over him. He just wasn't ready, and he should not have been put in that position either. I think that was a mistake by Vrabel and the coaching staff in Tennessee, which is a very good coaching staff that doesn't make many mistakes. So... Uh, but he's not dead yet. And I think that maybe it's getting out of Tennessee. Maybe it's that, you know, he pushes Will Levis this year and earns that number two role behind him quicker than we thought. I just like it specifically in a super flex to invest in Willis just in case, even as a grab and stash, whatever it is, because of that rushing upside, that's my big uh, take quickly on uh, Willis since we are kind of running short here, Fitzy. Yeah, um, totally agree, Boggs. We knew he was going to be a project coming into the NFL. I just think people got so, people including the Tennessee Titans, were so, um, I don't know, de depressed by the first go around and and like when they brought in Josh Dobbs at the end of this season to make starts at quarterback. I think like that really killed enthusiasm for Willis among dynasty managers, but maybe it shouldn't because we knew he was going to be a, a, a like major long-term project. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's my thought process. If you can get him real cheap, get him as a throw-in on a trade, whatever it is, maybe even scoop him off off the wider and stash him uh, if they do say, you know, Will Levis is the guy because that rushing upside is incredible for him. So let's not throw him completely away yet. My last hot take is, to me, tight end is very, very deep fits. There's so much sound at this position that if I don't get a top five and – the ECR top five is the same as my top five. It's, you know, Pitts, Andrews, Kelsey, Hawkinson, Kittle. If 
I don't get one of those guys, I'm probably just going to wait. Maybe you throw in Goddard, top six, whatever. Uh, still a high-volume guy, but he's got Brown and uh, Devontae Smith to deal with there. Um, you know, I like Fermuth. I love Kincaid. He's a great shot. But even if you move down past, like, Njoku and Waller and Dulkic, let's get to some of these rookies. Let's get down to Mayer, Laporta, Komet, McBride, Jelani Woods, Musgrave. These are all solid prospects to hit and could possibly push up into that high tight end marker. So if I don't, I'm not really too worried about tight end and dynasty and getting one because I think there's a lot of good shots to take. And I didn't even mention Okonkwo because they just added Hopkins and obviously he's going to get pushed down a little bit, but he could end up being very, very good as well. So I just think the, the wealth and depth of the tight end position makes me wait on drafting that position, even in a startup. So uh, your thoughts on the tight end position here, and then I know you have a, t- a tight end hot take as well. I agree with you that there are a lot of maybes at tight end, a lot of plausible <laughs> maybes. I don't agree that there is a lot of uh, proven talent out there and really like only probably the five guys you mentioned at the top, uh, Kelsey, Andrews, Pitts, got, um, Hawkinson, Kittle, maybe, maybe Goddard. So maybe, yeah, I think Goddard's like maybe he's on the line. Yeah, there are six guys you feel totally comfortable starting. You know, five or six, and and that's half or less of a, a dynasty league. So um, okay, yes, I can't totally agree with you, Boggs. My tight end take is that Jake Ferguson is going to be considered a more valuable fantasy asset than Chig Okonkwo, popular breakout Ooh. candidates by the end of the season. Ferguson totally flying under the radar. Okonkwo, everyone's, uh, you know, preseason darling. But Ferguson was drafted ahead of Chig in the fourth round last year, Boggs. Uh, Ferguson had much better college numbers at Wisconsin. Yeah, maybe there's some Wisconsin bias here. Uh, than Chig had at Maryland while playing in the same conference. And Ferguson at 6'5 and 250 pounds is bigger than Chig, who is only 6'2 and 243. And Ferguson's going to have a better quarterback this year with Dak Prescott rather than Tannehill. So with Dalton Schultz gone, and yes, the Cowboys drafted Luke Schoonmaker, but I really think he's more of a blocker than a pass catcher. Like I think there is a uh, possibility that Ferguson really surprises people as a pass catcher this year. And Boggs, when he was at Wisconsin, like from his sophomore year on, he was the number one pass catcher in that offense. Now, that's not saying a lot. It was a very run-heavy offense that dealt with some really bad quarterbacking. But, man, you saw it all the time when they were, you know, in third and long and it was crunch time. They were going to Jake Ferguson and not the receivers. Look at Fitz disagreeing with my point and then making my point, by the way. Love that. Uh, Ferguson, I didn't even mention him. He's another guy that's down there in that uh, possibility of being in. I mean, Dak loves a good tight end. We know that. So uh, the the guy didn't even mention that you brought up, and and I think he's a good option at tight end too. So uh, I will agree with you in your Jake Ferguson case specifically because it also helps with my hot take. The tight end is deep. So uh, one last one for you, Fitzy, and I love this one that you have on the sheet here. Let's hear it. Yeah, the other ones have all been player-related bugs. This one is league-related, and some people are absolutely going to hate me for saying, I can just see what our buddy Shane Manila is going to say about this. <laughs> and he would just like be cursing a blue streak at me. Dynasty leagues should have a trade deadline, and it should come before the end of November. 
Boggs, you've talked about how you are very um, play for now in your approach to Dynasty. And part of the reason is, and you've mentioned this, is because so many Dynasty leagues fold. And it's yeah. true. A lot of them do fold. And we want leagues that last. And the best way to make them last is to strive to achieve harmony among all the managers yes. and to avoid major blowups with arguments. What causes blowups? Lopsided end of the season trades that like turbocharge title contenders. And look, if you're one of the other title title contenders and you watch some like seller dwelling team sell off like their three or four most valuable assets to their brother, you know, yeah, to like whoever, like, to like a best friend. single yeah. right and and help that other title contending team really stomp the accelerator on the way to the championship. You are going to be angry about that. Like you, yeah. you can't help it. So, put the trading deadline in, man. Like if you want to make that trade at the end of November, if you want to make it on Thanksgiving weekend, that's fine. Sure. But man, when you're making it like in late December, like right before, some teams allow trading during the playoffs. I think that's kind of crazy. I just think it's too much. Yeah, it's just way too much trouble for big brouhaha's and leagues. No one wants that. Just avoid the sort of aggravation that brings leagues to, you know, an end. Yeah, and no more. Uh, I, I agree with that. I'll add on to it, too. Don't do league votes on trades. Have a commissioner that everybody trusts. And, you know, most trades are most trades are fine. The only reason to, to not accept a trade, even if it's a bad trade, in my opinion, is collusion. That's it, which some of those trades look collusion-y. So maybe you have to go and get a thought process from the guy doing the bad side of the trade and say, why are you doing this? And have a commissioner that will do that for you. I think adding a trade deadline helps as well. Um, you know, and just talk to your league mates and figure out what's best for everyone and what they agree on and get it before the, the season starts so you don't have to make changes in season. But I completely agree with that hot take as well, Fitzy. So, look, that those are our hot takes. We did it. We, we tried to get them in here. Um, we disagreed, of course, because they're hot takes and not all of them are going to pan out because they are hot takes. But uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Hopefully you guys agreed or disagreed. I know uh, passionately this will be probably the most commented on uh, show that we do uh, this season here fits. But there it is. We got our hot takes in. Remember, you can follow us on the Twitter at Bogman Sports for myself at Fitz underscore FF for Fitzy. And we will see you guys next week to talk some players at the crossroads. And I got a lot of players for that one. This is going to be a fun episode next week as well. So tune into that and we will see you guys next week. Take it easy, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Pros Dynasty Football Podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Fantasy Pros and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasy pros. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. 
like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Hi, I'm Gabby Reese. Join me and my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, on our journey with Laird Superfood. From our kitchen to yours, we've crafted delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and so much more using high-quality functional ingredients. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 for 20% off your first order.